Drinking with Authors contains adult themes and subjects, including discussions involving alcohol. We ask if you are drinking along to please drink and listen responsibly. Enjoy the show. Just like attach it directly to our brainwave energy and like just listen to our subconscious alpha wave neuropathic. That sounds wonderful. Okay. I was trying to do that earlier on the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> We're, uh, listen to your brainwaves or listen to nothing? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. The, the cat We're, purring. The cat purring calmly. Okay. We're starting. We're here. Drinking with authors. Woot woot. Okay. Did we <laughs> actually start? Yeah. Now we're, st- yeah, we started. It At some point, matter. did we start? Yeah, because the moment we start talking, he starts recording us. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. So he's yeah. recording now? Right now. What about all these previous shows that we've done? Did he record that, too? No. <laughs> no, no, this is I told the first you recording. Was, this is the first ever inaugural episode. Well, thank goodness. Because <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention, I'll be honest. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Hey, Austin. Hey, Erica. Um, Well... I'm Erica Lance, and you are? I am Austin Scott Collins. And we are where, Austin? We are at Waypoint 6 Tavern and Geekery, an extraordinary location in Largo, Florida, which has been very nice to us. Very, very nice to us. If you guys haven't come out, you absolutely should. And we are here with the amazing, the intrepid, the hungover. Hungover. (laughs) So we'll go easy on you. Kip Kelsch. Yes. Yes, yes. Okay, so we first talk about what we're drinking. (laughs) <laughs> I say that because Kip's in trouble. I'm so, in trouble. <laughs> um, this month, Waypoint actually has a Witcher theme. Have you watched The Witcher yet, Austin? I've seen one episode, and it seemed pretty badass. It is very badass. It was really good, and Henry Cavill takes his shirt off a lot, so I'm like 100% on board yeah, with Yeah, no this. one seems to complain about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who does, I should smite them. But... Um, <laughs> I will smite them fucking. Yeah, there's a lot of great fight choreography. Yeah. No, it's good in monsters. I like monsters. So you know the phrase, toss the coin to your witcher. So Mm -hmm. all the drinks um, are at Waypoint are based on that. So I am drinking the Yennefer of Venderberg. (laughs) I said that was... easy for you to say. Yes. Yes. (laughs) What are you drinking, Austin? (laughs) (laughs) I have invented my own drink this evening. I took the liberty of coming up with my own recipe. This is a pretty floral bonnet. And I'm going to concur that he did this, wrote it down, <laughs> handed it to the amazing bartender, and was like, make me this. And then she literally handed it back and said, I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> and it doesn't. I have to say, it's, it's pretty good. Oh, what did, you, what did you create that with? This is Kraken Rum, Deep Eddy Vodka, and Ruby Red Grapefruit Juice. Wow. So any listeners who want to drink along, that's what that is. And if you want to drink a Yennefer Avenderberg, <laughs> it's cherry vodka, blue curacao, and Sprite. It basically tastes like a grape um, Skittle. Just, it's Ooh. very, very sweet. Like, I don't think I've ever heard Skittle in the singular before. A, just a singular Skittle. A Skittle. A Skittle. Would you like a Skittle? Who offers you a what Skittle? What if you had two grape Skittles? Would it still taste the same? Um, Probably not. That's that's way too fancy, Kip. I don't what even if know it was like going. three grape Skittles and then like a... Lime Skittle. Okay. At, at what point do you reach that point of diminishing returns on the flavor? Does anybody know all the flavors of Skittles? No. Do you know all the flavors I of Skittles? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that was almost going to be an interesting line of questioning. And we could look wasn't. it up, I guess. I mean, yeah. if we don't want to talk about writing, you know, yeah. we could always go into, like, the confectionery arts for hey, an hour. Hey, Kip, what are you drinking? What am I drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Kip is on an IV drip. <laughs> God, I wish. I wish. Uh, I'm drinking uh, water with lemon. In a, in a tall red Coca-Cola glass cup. Okay, yeah, like <laughs> such a... W- <laughs> because um, Kip had too much to drink last night. Are you, are you? Did you wake up still drunk? That's when I know <laughs> I'm I did not. I, <laughs> are you sure you didn't wake well, up still drunk? <laughs> a couple times I woke up during the night, I was probably in decreasing stages of drunkenness. So, But by the time I finally woke up this morning, I was no longer drunk okay well that's good although it would have been interesting having still i because i've i've done that where i woke up and i'm still drunk from the day before i know listeners you're all surprised right, <laughs> right. by that like, what? No. You? what me erica no and um the first time that ever happened it was very very fascinating for me because i couldn't figure out what the hell was going on <laughs> and then i was like oh wait i'm drunk like it took a little while like i got up <laughs> Barely, room spinning, and I'm like, I don't Ooh. feel bad. I don't have a headache. What's going on? I'm trying to link all these symptoms that were literally just me being drunk <laughs> to something else. Yeah, and you know, you've never had a hangover until you've had a hangover on a boat. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, room spins on a boat. No. When, you know, the room is literally out. moving. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you not, like, time your 
I mean, maybe with, if the boat was the spinning like boat. in the opposite direction, mm. but on the same axis at the same rate, that would be hard to engineer, though. That probably would be. Yeah. Although, you know, there might be something to that, Kip. You know, maybe some intrepid, you know, venture capitalist could, you know, come up with a concept for a room that is designed to spin at the exact opposite direction, same rate sure. as whatever you're experiencing in your inner ear the next morning. And it, yeah, it would completely cancel out. So you just have a sense of motionlessness. Okay. You, some, guys, some so genius, you heard it here first. Genius yeah. drunken college engineer. <laughs> yes, Mark Zuckerberg. We don't need Facebook. Obviously, okay, you could, we need we the stop. spinning room. We need the spinning room. Okay, we're getting so off topic, which oh. we normally do with you. Yeah, let's talk about a couple of these novels here. Sure. We got uh, Delphus Rising. Am I saying that Delphus right? Rising, Delphus correct. Rising. Delphus yeah. Rising and Wendell's Lullaby. Wendell's Lullaby. So uh, you want to give us a quick, like, uh, overview of what these novels are all about? Sure. Um, well, Wendell's Lullaby is the first book. Uh, it's um, my first novel that I've, that I've written, and it's uh, basically it's a science thriller. Um, it's, uh, you know, some people compare it a little bit to Day of the Dolphin. Uh, if you've seen that movie, uh, George C. Scott from, what, the 70s. Wow. I yeah. was like, I'm, I'm trying to catalog in my brain where the hell we were going. That right. is our yeah. first George C. Scott, Scott reference, reference of the day. Yes. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I'll try and make as many as I can now. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's basically looking at, uh, it's got some conservation themes. It's got some uh, conspiracy, uh, military, uh, political conspiracy themes. But basically looking at uh, hundreds of strandings of dolphins that happen in multiple places in the world and what is causing them, whether it's science, whether it's bad guys, bad guys, potentially bad guys that are bad wanting guys to be that good do guys. science, yeah, bad guys that do science, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's mad, like three categories. Not mad, sci- not mad scientists, <laughs> right? Um, but look, looking at uh, issues of national security versus the environment in some cases. Uh, do you mind if I read the blurb? Oh, no, absolutely. Read the blurb. Uh, for for our listeners who might listeners, be interested Listeners, and in... Austin does the sexy blurb voice, so All it's right. good. Oh, now you're putting pressure on me here. Oh, I'll put pressure on you. <laughs> 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 Hundreds of dolphins have mysteriously beached themselves in Galveston, Texas, and Dr. Angela Clark is on a mission to understand why. The U.S. National Director for Marine Mammal Health and Stranding jets to Texas unknowingly a pawn in the national security plans of the few. An intimate number of former military men, the few, has infiltrated key positions within the government and orchestrated Dr. Clark's appointment, hoping her conservative, by-the-book approach will protect the top-secret project a retired admiral sees as a lasting tribute to his dead son. When more animals hit the beach and an unusually large group of dolphins is spotting massing in the waters of Tampa Bay, Dr. Clark must rely on an unconventional team, sorting through the ideas of her action-oriented South African beau, the conspiratorial rants of her ex-lover, the innocent insight of a 12-year-old boy, and the genius of a washed-out MIT grad in a race to save a charismatic species loved for its built-in smile. Well, there's a lot going on there. There there is. That is... (laughs) Yeah. That is, it's a good thing it's such a big book, too, though. Cause yeah. So we're, we're going to pause for a few seconds here so all the listeners can go out and order the book on Amazon. Immediately. Absolutely. Okay, Immediately. we're back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we assume you have your phone in front of you. So tell us, what got you to decide to write to begin with? Oh, gosh. I mean, I've been writing since I was a kid, um, on and off, off and on. Uh, I, you know, I wrote fiction stories in second grade and did illustrations tracing rubber animal pencil erasers for characters to do the illustrations. What kind of books did you write back, or stories did you write back then? God, I have no idea. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> little adventure stories, more likely. You know, it was short little things. And then through high school, I did some poetry and some short stories, never anything full length. Did some comic books. Oh, wow. Um, some dabbling. We have a oh, dabble. Yeah. Yeah, a yeah. dilettante. A yeah. dilettante dabbler. In uh, college, mostly, I, I did write some short stories, but I also just did some essay-type things for the college newspaper, and I did a comic strip for, it was a punk rock comic strip 
punk rock, huh? For uh, for the Daily Paper where I went to college. Oh, so. I was going to speculate that was for a zine. It was for, your, it was for your, <laughs> your local daily. But I did manage to get myself kicked out of the uh, the paper. <laughs> you got kicked out Qu- of a questioning local. The ed- qu- questioning the editors of the college paper. <laughs> the editors Luckily, of the college paper, also known as The Man. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> One of whom is uh, was a friend of mine from Listen, high school. Listen, you nineteen year old counterculture figure. Right. <laughs> I am sick of being under your heel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What was no? What was the dispute? No, hang on. I just I have to know what was the dispute. Gosh, what was it? I, th- I think I was actually. <laughs> Don't let Austin invent a drink. He gets totally out of control. <laughs> there, there was limited space, and they were only running my strip like once a week out of five days, and I wanted more time. Oh right, right. And. Uh, I, you know, some of the other strips I didn't think weren't as good, and most of the students didn't think some of the other strips were as good. So I was just hoping I could get more, more space. Now, that, that's a righteous cause. I'm totally yeah. on board with this because even going back into the 80s and uh, probably into the late 70s, there was this trend, right, of the comics being compressed and compressed and compressed. Right. I'm old enough to remember when the funnies were a section oh, yeah. of the paper. It yeah. was a huge section. It was the best section, yeah. right? And uh, they were enormous, large format with beautiful artwork. And then it started shrinking and shrinking and shrinking as, you know, newspapers were, you know, becoming more concerned with their bottom line, right? right. Until eventually it was like one page and it was like, you know, uh, you know in, incomprehensibly small and compressed, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, For all the listeners out there, he just made a gesture to a five by seven piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I would have been right there next to you like, I too am Spartacus, you know. Right. <laughs> No, I, I'm totally Where were you when this. Kip was in college? I know, I'm right, sorry. Right. Like, well, luckily, Kip, I'm sorry I wasn't there to support Luckily, you. where I went, there were like individual colleges that were part of the university, and each one had a weekly. So I went into one of the weeklies. And, uh, and gave them your comics. And gave them my comics because I got booted out of the daily. So, <laughs> so each, each department had its own weekly. That's great. <laughs> were they like competing for readership? Uh, not really. <laughs> Although it was, you know, they had different themes, different colleges. Like one was the agricultural college paper. One was uh, the more liberal campus paper. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just they were all had a little different style to them. And it had departmentally specific humor. I mean, was there like biology humor in the biology department? You know, No, not really. I mean, it was was more college. It was more (laughs) college oriented. So like there were different campuses within the university that that had their own papers. Yeah, Austin, your dream's not coming true on that. Let it go. <laughs> no, I think that's, that would be terrific. It's I like, know you think it will be terrific. That's why I'm telling you to let it go. Because like this is this is the weekly specifically for hydrogeologists. Who so are in, all who are four like, people that are in that will read it, right? But only yeah. the ones who are really into karst topography, you know? It's right. Like, <laughs> okay, so ignoring Austin's <laughs> challenge to the <laughs> collegiate world, um, so how do you get to your book then? How do I get to my book? Well. Um, when I got out of college, I did some things that were not necessarily related to writing, but I did some freelancing along the way, uh, mainly uh, non nonfiction magazine articles, um, environment, that's, that's outdoors. That's writing, I just point yes, out? Yes, yes. That is Freelance writing. writing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing some writing. It just was never my prime thing. Okay. And um, But nothing, nothing, no fiction really. I mean, I might have jotted some ideas from time to time or dabbled just for my own entertainment. Well, I'm firmly of the opinion everything you do in life enhances your fiction, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, at, what am I now, 54 years old? You didn't have to admit that out loud. Yeah, it's okay. That's okay. I'll get get Adam to cut it. It's fine. (laughs) He's not going to cut it. (laughs) You know, all of my life experiences definitely come through in the the books in some way. And I feel like, you know, I've never been one person. I think the longest continuous job I've had was maybe seven years oh, wow. at one place. So I've done a lot of different things. and, and That's pretty good. You know, <laughs> millennials are listening to this and be like, seven years? Oh, my God. I know, I know. It's amazing. But, Don't be well, like, my dad worked for the phone company for, you know, 40 years. Yeah, that's not a thing it's, anymore, though. I can tell you, because no. I'm in HR, that's not a thing anymore. People don't go to a place to retire anymore. No, no not, not usually. I mean, yeah. it's, it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. I so. mean, I would, right? You know, but you well, just, yeah, you in, in hindsight, <laughs> I, I think I might want to do that now when I'm looking at my 401k. Yeah, or, like, or lack thereof. Right. Mm-hmm. No, okay. So, wait, wait. We still haven't gotten to the book. Oh, the I book. Feel like right, we're right, on right, a right, 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 right. <laughs> So, um, and I'm the one trying to keep us on track, which is know, a terrifying prospect. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's my so all these guys that I went drinking with last night, mm-hmm. I grew up with from kindergarten through high school, and some of them even went to the same college I did. Very cool. And if they had known me, you know, back in 
in high school and junior high school, they would have said, oh, what's Kip going to be when he grows up? He's going to be, you know, the reincarnation of Jacques Cousteau. Mm. Oh. I wanted to be a marine biologist. And okay. when I got to college, even before college, I kind of was hedging a little bit only because um, I was having trouble with calculus in high school. Mm. And uh, when I got to college and started calculus there, um, because I was a biology major to start with, uh, it kicked my ass and I gave up. Pretty much. I fucking hate math. Yeah. There. there yeah. I, 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 gave up, math. I gave up on that and went the other way where a, I. A lot of our listeners are writers. Yeah. So a lot of them are like, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> math sucks. Math. <laughs> Fuck there math. Bunch, a yeah. bunch of English majors listening right now. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Numbers. I mean, what, how do they even work? <laughs> how do you. <laughs> what do you use them for? It's right. just some construct. Page numbers. <laughs> Yeah, and some don't Page even numbers, do that. Yes. Right, well, yeah. chapter numbers. I'm chapter numbers. Okay, yeah, so no, I didn't. Um, and, and then uh, where was I at? I have no idea. I'm so <laughs> lost. Your, your at this friends point. who have known. Oh you. yes, they would have said I was going to be a, a marine biologist, and and that didn't happen. I ended up with a degree in journalism, and uh, then when I got out of college, I I was a rower in college. Um, it's one of the few sports you can do as a walk on in college, and and do halfway decent at it and you might have to explain that oh um you know most sports in college at the college level you're you're recruited um you know basketball football lacrosse you're recruited out of high school and get some kind of scholarship croquet yeah Um, hey, listen, if you're... <laughs> what college in, did you go to, Erica? I'm just saying, in your imaginary fucking did you college in world croquet? where every major has a paper of its own, <laughs> right. I think croquet can be a professional it, it sport. Could Fine, be. Fair enough. It probably is. In England, I'm quite sure it is. <laughs> but you you don't but, have to be recruited in this case. No, and it's there's just so much... At, at the time, especially in the mid-'80s, there were very few schools that uh, that weren't like prep schools that offered rowing as... As, as a varsity sport. So uh, the colleges were, while they could recruit a couple of uh, ringers, you know, from, from prep school <laughs> rowing. Um, could you they, imagine that's your job to recruit most of the, most prep school ringers for rowing teams? And then there'd be like a scandal because it's like, turns out he was just recruiting ringers. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so uh, I was interested in doing some kind of sports still in college, and I wasn't good enough to play soccer like I had in high school. So I'm like, okay, I'll try this, and walked on and loved it, did okay. When I graduated college, I decided I wasn't really done with rowing, and so I uh, coached at a little club in New Jersey where I lived for Mm -hmm. a year. And then I got a job coaching in Florida. That's what brought me to Florida was uh, uh, the coaching job. And I lived over in Melbourne on the East Coast for three years, uh, coaching freshman rowing at Florida Institute of Technology. So you got a journalism degree to end up teaching kids how to do rowing as a coach at a university. In, in all fairness, that's what happens to most people that get journalism degrees. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's almost dizzying. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, seriously, have it, we it, gotten it, to how the hell he wrote this book no, yet? No, not it's yet. It's true, though. It's true, though. If you get any kind of writing degree, whether it's English or journalism or whatever, and then you ask the people, and then what did you end up doing? They'll always say something like, well, you know, I became a commercial pilot, or I ended up coaching or rowing. His, history. <laughs> history degrees. History degrees are big. Yes, yeah. exactly. It always goes off in some interesting direction. Okay. Well, we're there. So at this little college, I met my first wife, and uh, she was a marine biologist, so I always tell people, you know, instead of me becoming a marine biologist, at least at that time, I you married, married one. Yeah. yeah. So I was she good at math? She was a lot better at math than I was. I'm just checking. I don't <laughs> want to know the statistics. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, eventually, uh, she got a job over at Moat Marine Lab in Sarasota, mm. um, and we eventually got married. And I moved over to Sarasota, and um, she was working in their marine mammal program. Very cool. So she did uh, work with manatees and dolphins and both research and then stranding-related work. So hmm. um, I got some exposure to, uh, as a volunteer, um, kind of a man. Well, they weren't going to give you a real job. You can't do math. Right, so exactly, I exactly. So <laughs> I, I, I volunteered for their stranding program and got to do everything from, you know, holding a injured dolphin in the tank overnight for hours in my wetsuit hmm. um, to, you know, making mackerel shakes once they were able to start eating again where they could pour it through a tube into the dolphin's wow. mouth to, to feed it. And Why would you have to stand for hours and hold them? Because they, they can't move. They don't want them thrashing around. 
sorry, um, thrashing around. You can the, do whatever. It's your yeah. podcast. <laughs> Just don't puke on the mic. No, then I won't. Be good. Yeah, I'm past that stage. Already. Okay, good. So <laughs> they don't want to go. <laughs> um, they don't want them thrashing around. But you literally have to stand for hours in a tank. In yeah, a and, and well, and it's you know you do volunteer shifts, so okay. you know you might do an hour, two hours. I can't remember how long the shifts were, but a lot of that firsthand experience that I had went into. The book, the book into into Wendell's Lullaby, and okay. one of the uh, the two two kind of uh, ideas that kind of set me going in the direction of Wendell's Lullaby. The first was a quote by Jacques Cousteau that I cannot remember. Okay, cool. But said something about um, people loving dolphins because of their built-in smile. But mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot more going on there than uh, just a smile. Yeah, um, I'm so, so impressed by your immersion in your research. In this case, <laughs> I mean, I've never. This is this is amazing. I'm, I'm, you know, having just read the blurb of mm-hmm. your book and then hearing your background, it's like no one is more uniquely qualified to write this book. <laughs> you were standing in a tank wearing a wetsuit, holding an injured dolphin in your arms, and you wrote this novel. That's Don't forget awesome. the mackerel shake. The mackerel shake, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. sounds yeah. disgusting, but probably amazing to a dolphin. To a dolphin, yeah. It's just like a, I don't know. A, milkshake? A, yeah, milkshake. Yeah. You think it would From, bring all the dolphin boys to the yard? No? Okay, nobody getting that? <laughs> We're going to move on. So, okay. So, there was a, yeah, and so that was one thing that sort of got me going. And, and really my original idea with that whole built-in smile quote was uh, trying to write something from a dolphin's perspective. And I didn't get real far with that. And while I had some notes, a couple pieces. <laughs> it's all just a lot of chirps and whistles, right? Right, exactly, exactly, which we get to a little bit, you know, in the other book a little bit. But, um, you know, I had, uh, in, in being around my, my white wife at the time and, and hearing some things, there was this term that was thrown out when they were talking about dolphin strandings called U- unusual mortality event, a UME, they called it. And, and uh, for some reason, it just triggered something in my mind, and I started thinking about this book in a different way. And you know, at the time, I read a lot of—I don't want to say—you uh, know—a lot of popular thriller stuff. So, like Tom Clancy, read a right. lot of all the Tom Clancy books when he was, you know, actually writing them uh, himself. Oh God, yeah. Ghost and, 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 I'm, I'm guessing Coffin. Clive Cussler too, because Clive the, Cuss, some yeah, Clive the, Cussler, the National Underwater Marine Agency, actually right, features right, right. really heavily in his sure, books. Sure, yeah. sure, and definitely Clive Cussler, and um, you know, and I, I, I read some stuff by Michael Crichton as well mm-hmm. and uh, just tried to I'm like okay so I'm not get, being real successful going down this line of something from a dolphin's perspective so I took this unusual mortality event term and just kind of and I'm not a plotter I'm, um, you're a pantser I'm huh? a pantser for sure <laughs> uh, you're a pa- how many pages are in that book that you pants I know it's 120,000 words this is oh a my thick goodness book. Well, that's a lot of pants. It's a thick Seriously, book because Kip, thick, Kip didn't book. learn as much about self-publishing as he should have before he did that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to come back to that. Let's the put the newer, shorter version is coming. But yeah, so you know, I just kind of ran with it, and I probably wrote 15,000 words over two days and wow. reached a stopping point and set it down and tried to outline a little bit. And that's sort of what my method is more or less for when I'm writing you write 15,000 words and then try to do an outline? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. For I'm, any writers for what out I'm writing there having now, I'm, some I'm, difficulty, I'm, yeah. write 15,000 yeah. words. No, no. And Somewhere, then, right now, someone is listening. It's like, oh, I did the same exact thing. Right. Thank you. Yeah. I feel so validated right now. I've got 30 15,000 word documents sitting in my... <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, but, that's yeah, so. Good. I went from that, and, and and eventually, you know, just kind of developed my method for getting through it, and uh, I started writing it in 2007. 2007, okay. And 2008, 2009, I still see reminders on Facebook, you know, memories that <laughs> pop up on Facebook. Oh, I'm working on the book today. Almost done. <laughs> for like from 2009 and almost 2010. Done. Now almost done. Now really almost 2000, done. <laughs> end of 2010, beginning of 2011, I get divorced and uh, get a new job and lose a new job. And this just sort of goes on the back so it got burner dust- for a while. It, it got yeah. dusty. So then um, 
uh, not paying attention to Facebook timelines, when did you actually sit down and go, I'm going to finish this book now for real Z, meaning not failed attempts, but actually yeah, sat down? Yeah, August of uh, 2017. Okay. So and in four days, I had four, the, days? four days, I had the Kindle version up. Wow. Was, was there an editor involved in that process at all? Okay, you're looking around like that. <laughs> so I'm going to go with no. Can you not hear my eyes going, like, <laughs> darting all over the place? Yeah, like, I was like, wait a minute. There was not an editor There's involved. No, there was no editor. Self-editing is bad editing. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so the first version that was out there, and then, and then I think it took me another four days or maybe a week to get the, the, the paper back up, and uh, uh, it was definitely messy. Okay, but you did it. I bet you had a, a moment of true oh, and pride it was it was catharsis. The- it was catharsis. A lot of it. I had some other ideas that I wanted to get into uh, writing about, and it was a catharsis to get this done and out of the way because it was so close to being done. Done. Yeah. yeah. But uh, in the course of the next few months, I had a couple people read it and edit it, and in December of 2017, I I revamped the text. And I also, um, over the course of the next few months, I think uh, probably by the spring of 2018, I redesigned the cover to make the cover a little bit more descriptive of what the book is, was really about. It, in the beginning, it just had the two dolphins on it with some wavy like sonar lines going through them. Oh. And people thought it was a textbook. Well done. Well done. Yeah. For yeah. any yeah, textbook writers out there, obviously, if you want to write a textbook yeah, on the, dolphins. The current cover design, I think, really does reflect... Everything that's in the yeah in the plot because you've got the dolphins, you've got the, the sort of sonar overlay, and then you've got like the coast guard, you know, semi-militaristic backdrop, you know. So yeah, yeah, I was much happier with with, with that. And I, I think people pick this up and they're like, okay, so it's it's a thriller, but there's right. dolphins. Even though under the title it does say a thriller, a thriller, yes. Well, yeah. that's P.S. A good this is a thriller. That is a good indication <laughs> that it is a thriller. And on that note. We're going to take a quick break. Yeah, you guys so will have go, a brief intermission. Go order Wendell's Lullaby during the break, and we'll be back in a couple minutes. Hey, thank you for listening to Drinking With Authors. We wanted to let you know that if you're an aspiring author out there and you'd like to be on our podcast, you can email us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com. Or if you guys have a question, comment, Want to tell us some little tidbit of interesting news? You can always direct message us or comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We love that you're listening. We love that you're out there. And we look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Mm. What, fucking bastard? Yeah, from you. Yeah. Just like Did you post basically. your damn video? That yes, you were I up- posted the damn video. Okay, well, you didn't acknowledge the video posting. It's a process. Oh, my gosh. It's like so many things in life. Like getting it, getting to win, get Broda's book. That was a process. We yeah, got there. We were there, weren't we? 30 minutes later. Yeah, <laughs> no, we were. Okay. So you get um, Windows Lullaby out, right? Um, that, what happened next? Because you have a second book, but I, what happened next? I did, yes. I got Wendell's Lullaby out. Uh, hey, like I said earlier, it was part of a catharsis and part of just getting it out of the way so that I could work on other projects I had started some notes on a historical fiction novel that I was interested in writing. That was the main thing that I was trying to get this out of the way for. And, and where is that book? It's about 18,000 words written. Or so 20. you are right at the outline point of <laughs> Right, yes. <laughs> in the yes. methodology but I writing. <laughs> I haven't looked at it in uh, probably a year now. I uh, While I was... Finishing up Wendell's Lullaby, I found a file of notes for a sequel. Oh, how and disastrous! Oh, was so that? You, you were thinking of a sequel even as you were in the yes. process of the first book. Yes. Yeah. Okay. How, how many books are in the series? Like in your mind? Well, there's. Is, is it the two? two. <laughs> there's two. <laughs> is there more? No, come on. Is there more? There's more. There's more, and and I definitely have notes for for others. And it may be short stories based on some of the characters or maybe a novella or something based on one of the particular characters or a couple of the characters trying okay. to compress things a little bit. The, but, the, but the gem of, of Delphus Rising was in there from the beginning, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I was, I've always been interested in dolphin communication and dolphin intelligence. And while there's a little bit 
about that in the first book. This is definitely more of the uh, going down that road with the help of artificial intelligence and some characters from the other. You wow. need to read that back cover there, Austin. Let's hear about it. Yeah, okay. So this is the second book in the series, Delphus Rising, the, the follow-up to Wendell's Lullaby. And the summary is, in 2008, a young genius conceived Delphus, an innovative dolphin communication project, while submerged in the warm salt water of a sensory deprivation tank and dark introversion of a forced separation from the woman he loved. Nearly 10 years after that epiphany, and after four years of focused research, design, and construction on an isolated Pacific atoll, that genius has embraced his new identity and become Dr. Evan McMillan, finally leaving the past behind. He has even found love again. Now his Delphus team is poised to boot up their powerful artificial intelligence, initiate the world's first contact with dolphins, and ultimately transform that conversation into something much more ambitious, a covert operation that will surprise the project's military backers and the world. But when Dr. McMillan loses control of that groundbreaking conversation, he discovers toxic tendrils from his past infiltrating the very core of Delphus and wrapped around his heart. He also learns of the product of one passionate memory that may be the key to regaining control and completing his ambitious plan to change the world. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I was going to say, dun, dun, dun. Okay, so the stakes have been raised, it is safe to say here. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so. Stakes, stakes have been raised. Wendell's Lullaby took you approximately 11 years to do? If I, I just did Correct. math. Did you see that, Austin? Yeah, I'm proud of you. Math. <laughs> Subtraction you. Okay. numbers. And so then, oh, how long did um, Delphus take? A year and a half-ish. Okay. What do you think changed for you on that? Uh, I tried pretty much writing mostly full-time. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I mean, how, I, I how have, was that? It was great in, in many ways. In other ways, it was tough because um, I've been sort of an athletic person my whole life, so... Mm-hmm. The energy that I would put into, like, my daily workouts uh, got funneled over to uh, right. to writing. So that was kind of frustrating. That's something I'm struggling with now is trying to balance things better so that I can still feel good about my health and my fitness and also my writing. Uh, but it, it's tough because, like I said, the same type of energy for me, anyway, is what goes into my workouts also goes into my writing. So it's uh, how long was that that you were like focused one hundred percent? That was that was your life. That was your lifestyle. A good a good writing. year out of that year and a half, I would yeah. say. Um, you know, I still I have a small business that I run myself that's putting on trail running events, but it's pretty small, and it got a little smaller while I was focusing on the writing for sure. Oh wow! Um, which was unfortunate as well. So I'm working also working on bringing that back to life as I learn to balance things a little bit better. Um, I think I'm doing a better job at it, finally. I'm sure a lot of listeners are thinking right now, it's like, what would it be like to just take a year or a couple of years and just write? It's fantastic. Like like I said, in a lot of ways, it's fantastic. It's just, uh, you know, because you can sit, I could sit at the computer and, and, you know, while I might not be writing 5,000 words a day, I'm being productive for most of that, whether it's doing the research that I need to do for the for the for the plot and the characters, or um, you know, actual writing, or or heaven forbid, doing some actual outline <laughs> outlining <laughs> character sketches. Oh, we already on the side. know that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. It, ha- it happens. It happens. When, like I said, <laughs> one of one of my one of my kind of my 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 methods is write, 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 write till I'm exhausted and or till I reach a, a stopping point or you know writer's block or whatever you want to call it. And then um, I'll go back in and try and outline. Uh, you know, typically I have an Re- idea. Retroactive outlining. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Typ- typically I'll have an idea where I want to go with the book. And I have an idea. Lots of times I'll have an idea of what kind of ending I want to have, um, mm. if not a, the exact um, So you know what you're driving action. towards. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that helps. But um, I don't necessarily, I don't outline each chapter. Like a lot of people will have a storyboard where they're, outline everything. I can see the advantages to that for sure. 
Oh, you're talking to Austin. Austin's the epic plotter. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, no, seriously, <laughs> epic plotter. Uh, no, no, I'm curious, though, since you actually spent that time focusing, I mean, that living your life as uh, this is what I'm doing right. right now. I'm writing. This is my focus. This is my everything. Can you see yourself doing that more or again, or do you feel like that was too much? I think I could do it in a different way that'll be as good. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I could ever commit to saying I was a full-time writer unless, of course, I started, the, you know, the podcast generated <laughs> thousands of sales over the next couple of oh, weeks. Yeah, yeah. And well, then, you and know, then, our, our listenership up, my is, friend, is definitely into the dozens <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, if, if I had... Tens of people. If I had something right that, that made it a little <laughs> bit more financially... Um, then I would look at, at doing it full-time yeah. again. So um, you, you look back on that fondly as a period of your life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, gosh, I'm, I'm one of those people that I love to be able to focus on a project mm-hmm. until it's done. And right. uh, I'm not necessarily great at, at multitasking while things like that are going on, <laughs> um, which, you know, I, I know. I know that about myself. My wife knows that about myself. And uh, <laughs> I like that your wife knows that about myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have a question. You did that. Um, we we didn't touch on um, you were so you get this book out and it's 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 not um, like mainstream like right some of the topics aren't mainstream sure. which is one of yeah, the it's, it's more Gulfstream You're right <laughs> sometimes I I'm just sorry want to punch that. you I'm in sorry. the face you know that <laughs> right mm-hmm. um, but what did you find when it came to trying to market or sell your book because it's great when you have a book and you're like. I have a book. Right. And then you're like, oh, there's I'm the only one that knows I have a book. <laughs> million other people who also have a book out today. Yeah. Right. Literally. People think you're kidding, but no, right. literally. Like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, in my mind at first, I thought, oh, it, it reads just like any other, for the most part, like any other thriller that I've read, like Tom Clancy or Clive Cussler or, you know, any of the, the you know, more contemporary thriller writers. Um, you know, it's fast paced for the most part. It's, you know, people say, oh, it sounds like it could be a film. And uh, there you go. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, gosh, you know, people, some people get it in their hands. They'll read it and they'll like it and it'll start to sell. Eh. You know, like like you probably know, you've, you've got a market. You've got a market. So and did you did you find your niche for marketing or? I'm still working on it to some extent. Um, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I've got... Um, Good page followings on on Facebook for the books. Uh, this would be a good chance to mention your Facebook page. Yes, I have a. a f- I don't have an author Facebook page. Shame on me. I'm I'm not even going to get into that topic, but just assume <laughs> Erica I'm berating is very you. Right. Very disappointed. Right. I see the evil eyes, <laughs> but I do have uh, pages for each of the books. Um, so the Wendell's Lullaby has got its own Facebook page, and Delphus Rising has got its own Facebook page. Uh, and very shortly, so you'll have your own author page. I'll have page. my own author page, yes. I, yeah. I, do, I, uh, I do market quite a bit on Facebook. Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter as well, uh, at Kip Author. And, uh, no, shamelessly self-promote. Tell that, them where that's to find it. you. That's it, and that's so, what you've so got to do. At I mean, KIP Author. Correct, okay. yeah. And uh, what I find on Twitter is Twitter's a little bit more of uh, writer interaction than necessarily uh, writer-reader interaction. No, it's, I think that's true until you, um, as you start gaining fans and you interact with your fans, right. I think that's true. Yeah, there are some bigger name writers that I interact with on there, and, and, and they're definitely selling books through Twitter, but they're bigger, yeah. for sure. Yeah, well, it, once you have a following, it's kind of like, you know, when you have your own Facebook page and you get your newsletter going, like when that happens, hypothetically, right. you'd, you'd be <laughs> able you. to market to your entire group of people that like both books. But, I mean, I wasn't going to mention anything. No, 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 that's, a, it's a, and that's you know... One of the things that I'm working going to be working towards, yes, is is, is the newsletter. Yeah, so, what is what is your uh, your Facebook your two Facebook uh, pages? Then is it uh, just facebook.com slash Wendell's Lullaby? Wendell's yep. with a D A L L. Wendell's Lullaby and Delphus Rising. Yeah, you know you really, you picked hard words to spell. Yes, I did. <laughs> Delphus with a D E L P H Y S Rising. Correct. Yeah. So, what are you working on now? I'm working on. Are a we doing our historical novel? No. No. Okay. no. But that, that's still in there, though, right? You've got that. Oh, yeah. In like a, a oh, shoebox yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I just bed. need to decide how which direction I want to go with it. It's a little 
bit controversial, so I want to... Ooh, do tell. Ooh, yeah. Now we're interested. We love controversy. <laughs> now we're on board. Yeah, especially if oh, we're creating God. it. You know, it's... Yeah. it's you a, told us. It's another... You know, and I know that it's been done a little bit, and that's why I don't know whether I want to continue with it. It's, it's a, a reimagining of the early life of Adolf Hitler. Just... I don't think that's a problem. Okay, I wasn't yeah. expecting you to say that. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, uh, like, Hold on. Like Austin is if adjusted. He had, if he had made it into art school, maybe he just would have relaxed. No, <laughs> it, it, well, it, it's basically it's um, his time from being in the trenches in World War One to uh, the early 20s, but that he does not, uh, he does become a successful artist in Berlin mm-hmm. after World War One. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, in authors in general, and you can say this because look at how many Harlequin books had Fabio <laughs> on the cover. Um, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I, like I, at least three. Right. That's <laughs> strike two. Fuck. Um, is that I think when you have a story, it unless you're literally following the exact same plot line of another story, you have a voice. So never think right. that you don't have an audience because... They did an entire TV show on what would have happened if Hitler and Japan had won, you know, which oh, sure. you right. would have never thought would have been a TV show. Like somebody pitched that in 1980, they'd be like, yeah, no, no. thanks. But, you know, uh, I think uh, whatever voice you have, I think it's it's great and to I've get it out there. And I've watched it through twice. Have you? <laughs> the Man in the High Castle? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Way different than the Philip K. Dick story by the way okay okay don't get me started about well, what dolphins they do. to hitler though that's an interesting leap <laughs> I mean, oh, we're going back to this austin's not done with that part. I, I, i've always been fascinated by history and um you know for some reason world war ii and and hitler you know not for any nefarious reasons but just you know how does somebody like that become what they become mm-hmm. and uh you know that's one of the reasons why i kind of wanted to explore um how he might be if he had some success and if that right. would change him or change the people around him or if, you know, Nazism would have still happened. Right, right, right. Um, I, that's the big question, right? right. It's like, are we, are we really sort of letting everyone off the hook by saying it was this one guy as well, opposed calling to him, it was calling him a crazy, society, evil megalomaniac? Right. And, yeah. and there were reasons why he was the way he was, mm-hmm. you know, and he might have had... Yeah, yeah, and he might have had, you know, psychological issues as well, and he well, I did, think, but... I think it's true. I think, though, it, you know, if we want to peel this back even further, is that I think um, not everybody is prone to violence or horrible things, but it's interesting when stages get set to allow things to happen. There are definitely absolute psychopaths out there that from a very young age are set on a right. path, and then there are, you know, kind of stressor situations that happen that turn somebody who might go right or left and that sure. turn of the person. And I'm not saying that's true with Hitler. I don't know enough about Hitler um, to say that. But, I mean, like you have uh, Pol Potch who killed mm-hmm. a bazillion Cambodians yeah, right. was a history teacher. Yeah. You know, like that's that's what he grew up to be. So you kind of go, well, how do you go from history teacher to killing millions of people? Right. Yeah. Right. I always thought it would be interesting if someone wrote a story in which someone like, you know, for example, you know, Mussolini uh, never came to power. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. He uh, Something good happened early in his life and he just went off and lived a, you know, pleasant, quiet, bucolic existence in a cottage somewhere. But Italian fascism still happened. You know, like it, we didn't need Mussolini for that. Right. You know, it was it was actually society that did that. People right. were just and, ready for it. They were waiting for whoever was going to come along. You know, similar to what I'm trying to get at yeah. a little bit with with what I was what I was going. And I just I just I've got I had other ideas I was more excited about after that. So now I'm working on a science fiction fantasy space opera that takes mm. place in an alternate universe, alternate slash parallel universe. Wow. So. You're you're not on a path at all. Like there's no well. The, the second book gets path. a little bit more speculative and science fictiony, but not necessarily this far. This is world more world building and yeah. No, I'm I'm totally with Kip on this. I love going off in different weird directions. Yeah. So okay, what's what's the premise of this third project? The third project, it's 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 going to be definitely a trilogy or more. Um, I started writing probably the third or fourth book and decided. As I was writing, that I would actually 
I was thinking about the backstory for the characters, mm-hmm. and as that backstory started to develop in my head, I figured it was a lot more interesting to actually go and write the backstory as another novel. So those would be the first couple of novels. Those would be then? the first couple of novels okay, to so get to where how, the third. How many, how many books? How many books three are you or, talking it'll about? It'll be three or four. Three or four oh, books. Yeah, I haven't decided okay. yet. So you've got an underlying story yep. that like permeates all the, the entire series. Right. And so the, so the, yeah. the premise of this alternate universe is that instead of space being essentially a vacuum, the the area between planets is filled with water. So it's a water universe. Water world? Mm, not necessarily, but the I planets... I not, because Kevin yeah. Cosner should be killed for that movie. Oh, but... I, I like that movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're never going to be invited back on this show if this continues. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's it. Shut it off. No. It's all good. Pull the plug, pull the plug. No, no, this is, this is fascinating. Okay, so I actually, I was just reading... My, my, one of my most recent books, okay, is The Orion Project, mm-hmm. which is about in the 1950s, there was this effort to potentially launch spacecraft into orbit using nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. right? Basically, just put nuclear weapons behind a spaceship and yep. blow, them up, blow them up and shoot them into yep. space, right? Okay, which is, you know, surpri- aside from the fact that you'd create radioactive fallout that would, you know, kill everyone on Earth, it would actually work, right? Right. So, you know, from a physics standpoint, and I was just reading a transcript of a Senate subcommittee hearing in which a senator was asking one of the scientists, okay, so as you, as you go out into space, the atmosphere becomes less and less breathable. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct, Senator. Okay. At some point, does that reverse itself? (laughs) 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 Not even making that up. Actual historical records, right? And so (laughs) that is very much on my mind. No, actually, what happens, Senator, is it becomes water. Right. And it's full of dolphins. You should find Intelligent this, dolphins. You should find interstellar dolphins. Senatorial. <laughs> interstellar dolphins. No, that's marvelous. Okay, so then then like what's the what's the story here? Okay, so well, we've the, got this premise. The, the, what's the story? So the third book was basically uh, some uh, deep space explorers from our universe uh, finding a wormhole and mm. uh going through that wormhole to see where it went. and Like you do. Like you do. Explore the wormhole. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. That's what she said. That was on a tequila bottle. Yes. And uh, I'm so sorry for Erica. I I apologize. You know. (laughs) So they. He has interviewed with me before. They take, (laughs) they take this, you know, deep space spaceship in the future from our, universe essentially and try and go through this wormhole and when they get to the other side um, they're confronted by the fact that now this spaceship that's built for deep space is uh, submerged in water it's like water world but in space right and it gets crushed and and Say water world all they really get to time. all that really <laughs> happens is they everybody gets killed and they get to send a probe back through the um, wormhole to our universe telling people this is what happened, you know, here's some readings, blah, blah. So they get, their interest is sparked in this universe that's... Those aren't the main characters, right? No. Okay, yeah, so, good. Because so I was like, wait a, a minute, submarine. that's the end of that book if you kill everybody <laughs> no, no, all no, the no. time. So yeah. now you have to build a submarine, put it on a spaceship, take the right. spaceship into space, launch the submarine through the wormhole. Lost in Space right now has a spacecraft that's space and water right. bound. So that's true. That's you know, true. They, they made it water bound. It's kind of... Okay. We should get an engineer on the show to explain to us. <laughs> like, That'll be you know, that author guest you want that well, goes, one of the, not an author. One of the reasons I call it science fiction fantasy is because <laughs> the science behind a, uh, a universe that's, that's filled with water is probably not quite <laughs> 100%. Although it's an alternate universe, so the laws of physics could be a little different. I was going to yeah, say. If you could say alternate off. universe, I mean, all bets are off. Right, right? exactly. All, alternate universe, folks. You can stop being critical. It's an alternate universe. Okay, well, Austin, if you're going to make an alternate universe, what would it be? Uh, you know, here, here's my thing about fiction, is I like to write within the rules that I know, because I feel like if I throw the rules out the window, it, like, it opens the door too much. Yeah. 
pants. Ah, plotter. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the yeah, fucking plotter no, over no, there. That's, he that's really the I super is. I am a plotter. I but feel you like might, if, I, uh, if it's a plotter, you might enjoy problem. it if you looked at the world building as sort of plotting. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. no you so got, you'd have to spend probably years <laughs> creating this world on paper before right, you actually right. started the writing. Because you got to be consistent. See, that's right. the thing with me. It's like when you're talking about an alternate universe or you're talking about magic or anything else that like diverges from the universe that we know. I feel like you're either throwing it all out the window. It's like, you know, anything can happen at any moment. Or you spend a lot of time breaking it down to this is what's possible and this is what's not. And we're going to stick to that for the rest of the series. And we don't get to cheat by saying later, oh, and by the way, time travel is a thing. Well, (laughs) and I think there are some authors that have done that. But I think there are some authors that have done exactly what you said, where they created the rules. And when they encounter something in their writing, they go, how would this work? Document it. And then that's how it works. And I think that's where you have... Very good plotter authors right, versus like, right. you gotta be consistent, you pantser gotta be consistent. authors and oh, yeah, anything absolutely. goes. You know, so. and that's that's one of the things I'm doing now. I'm I'm, I'm like fifty three thousand words into the first book, and and how far is that one wow. going? Because it shouldn't be a hundred thousand. No, it won't be a hundred thousand. <laughs> it'll it'll probably be. It can be whatever it needs to be. Kept. Yeah, yeah it'll don't be listen 70-ish. to Eric. It can be whatever it needs to be. If you want to write a hundred and fifty thousand word book, you do it, Kip. You do it. <laughs> Ask marketer over here how that's going. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Unless you're going to break one of the reasons I'm working on making this one in smaller print and not putting as much space between the lines (laughs) is just so I can uh, attract a few more readers. They're not just scared away by the first book and going, "Holy, holy crap! What the hell did I get myself?" And this one is like it looks like it's half the size. I was about to say you could take one. It's it's ninety thousand words or so. You could bring it into part one and part two. Okay, so a lot of this is actually font size. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's me learning self-publishing and... Yeah, yeah these things are important. To, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the finished product that you see on the shelf, it, it does actually, you know, the whole judge a book by its cover thing is right. actually valid. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. And I tell people that all the time. They ask me, oh, judge a book by... Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'll read the blurb. Yeah, and we didn't mention, but because we have to go here shortly, but both of those are book award winners. Yes, the Florida Authors and Publishers Association Silver Medal President's Book Awards. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great recognition. Pretty excited about that. Uh, Delphus Rising was a semifinalist in the Book Life Prize. Oh, cool. So that's uh, Book Life is part of Publishers Weekly, and they do um, uh, awards for uh, independent and uh, authors and self-published. How, how did you first uh, hear about that? The, the awards? Yeah. Oh, just searching around because, you know, you, you want to try and add some legitis- legitimacy to your self-published books. So looking for different awards that aren't asking a lot for entry and that are fairly... thousand right. right, that are fairly respectable. <laughs> right. You know, it's yeah. not just somebody you send in the money and they give you a sticker for yeah. <laughs> sending in your money. Um, that does exist, That's why I, I, You know, I, don't I, do that. That's a scam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you won't be taken seriously by actual people who know that's a scam. Right. Okay, we need to do the show, shameless self-promotion part. Okay. Austin. All right, so, first of all, Wendell's Lullaby. That's W-E-N-D-A-L-L apostrophe S lullaby. And the sequel, Dolphus Rising. So both thrillers that are dolphin-intensive and covert action-intensive. So if you like the work of Clive Cussler, you're probably going to dig this. And give us some uh, websites that you can go to and some locations you can go to to buy Since these books. you don't have an author page on Facebook, <laughs> where can they find you? Shut America. <laughs> uh, Amazon. Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. Everybody's favorite love-hate relationship. Yeah, and uh, Kip, you're going to have to spell your last name. Sure, it's K-O-E-L-S-C-H. <laughs> and this amazing people who are listening has been Drinking With Authors. And we want to thank you very much for being on the podcast with us. It has been amazing and informative. And we also want to thank Waypoint 6 Tavern and Geekery for hosting us thank once you. again. Yes. <laughs> and I've decided um, any fans out there that want to start drinking games, apparently if I'm alone without Austin, I say the word interesting a lot. And I want you to take a shot every time I say interesting. <laughs> and you'll be wasted within the first 10 minutes of any of our broadcasts. <laughs> Please don't drink and drive. (laughs) (laughs) This has been Drinking with Authors. I am Austin Scott Collins. I'm Erica Lance, and we'll see you next time. 